Well, welcome back to the Miles Driven with me, Miles, and Chief Content Editor Sam. Very good, Sam. That was a that was a very professional introduction from yep. you for once. Normally, well, we get you know, a very professional man nowadays. Yeah, this is true. Sam has become uh, ever more professional in his day job, which has <laughs> meaning now that he's got real responsibilities. The other day, he asked me about an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, and formulas. and uh, Well, I did the formulas myself. Yeah. Today. I just needed clarification on something. This is a man with 15 years' experience walking around in a field yep. who suddenly <laughs> has to now work on a computer. Well, bits of it, I suppose. I was doing emails until a couple of minutes before we started y- this. You were, yeah. I've, an hour and a half after I finished work. I don't think I've ever seen you. At, with, like, doing an email. <laughs> normally, because your work is outside and you obviously you have to get a job done, Usually when you leave work and come and see me and we start to talk about the podcast, you've left work because hmm. you can't bring the, you know, the grass and the trees and all well, the stuff difficult. that you're doing with you. Can't work from home with that job. So. No. Um, so to see you actually, oh, I've just got to do a few things for work, mate. I'm thinking, what's he doing? Is he filing up the, you know, <laughs> the end of bring the Bring a little mower engine out of <laughs> my bag. <laughs> I've just got to quickly fix this. <laughs> Today on the Mars Driven, uh, we're going to do a little bit of car news. We're going to do a comparison. And then if you're, I know a lot of people listen to us for the automotive content. So at that point. <laughs> it will have some, it will have no, all of that transport yes. in it. Basically, as if you listen to our podcast, you'll know that I went on my honeymoon, which was fantastic until three hours before the end of the honeymoon, when a particular airline decided to try and ruin it for me. And that will be all you'll hear until 20 odd minutes yep. But Time. if you don't want to hear about that news story, you can listen to the automotive stuff and then we'll give you a warning and go to the next. Yeah, I'll give you a good warning. I'm going to so, interrupt for two seconds. Yeah, go on. And uh, say something that's not going to be interesting to listeners. But can you turn that light off? Oh, or, I'm blinding or move you it because the... it's really getting in. It's only getting in one of my eyes. Right. Okay. Is that better for Thank you? Thank you very much. Really, I, I know that that's probably the best bit of the podcast for everyone that was yes, listening. Yes, exactly. Yeah. We will um, have a couple of things we're going to do for video soon. I've just got to get the positioning right for how we'll record us because when we've had it before, we've had it with us podcasting. But what I want to do is a little bit of um, conversation content for us, okay? But for our video content for YouTube, so separate to the podcast entirely. Cool. Right. Um, so yeah, if you enjoy listening to us and you haven't been on the YouTube stuff that we do, go and check that out. But if you'd like to see us just sat in the studio talking then you will get that come well up some, some people point. might not have seen us i mean there's limited content that's got us in it there might there's there the old there's a well, an old youtube video i think isn't there? there's a couple and there's a picture we put up on facebook i think a while ago on the socials of you yes. and i separately yes but people might not actually know what we look like no this is the this was actually the challenge when we started doing the buyer's guides because like we discussed about it there's two ways you can do it now a lot of people online do a review Mm-hmm. So they go and, you know, they'll get the car, get hold of it some way, drive it around and then say, yeah, this one's all right. And we discussed it and we sort of said, we don't want to do that because we want to provide as much value to the people watching as possible. And getting one individual one and testing that one and saying you like it or you don't, it works for some people. They, they enjoy watching that content. But we wanted more specifically to say, OK, if you're interested in buying, for example, uh, we did one on the Land Rover Discovery 3 and 4. Yes. If you want to buy this vehicle, these are the ones that, you know, we've, we've done the research on them. These are the ones that are available. These are the ones that are preferential for whatever reason. These are the trims. These are the things that go wrong. And then give you our picks. And I just think that if you're actually in the market to buy, or you, a lot of people aren't necessarily going to buy today, but they're thinking about it. 
you know, they might just have a quick look on Horse Trader or whatever website they yeah, use. Yeah, they might like the car. Yeah, and then they, and you can imagine there's a lot of people that mm. particularly like the look of one vehicle and they think, oh, I could change, but I don't know enough about it. Well, the reason we do the buyer's guides is so that you can spend 10 minutes of your life, get all the information you should need. And if you think, do you know what? It's, I really like the look of that or I really like the performance, but I couldn't live with the fuel economy or it hasn't got the engine that I want or it's got a few more things that go wrong than I think I'm capable of fixing. Then you get your answer. Interestingly, to refer to the buyer's guides. Mm give you a good sell to get people to yeah, go, and go watch on. them. Yeah. You know you did the Land Rover one and you talked about, I think, is it the G4 Discovery, like the special edition one, the orange yes. one that they yeah. did. Did they do a Range Rover version of that? The Range Rover Sport? A Range Rover Sport, or a, yes. Or a Range Rover. I saw one. The, the orange day. ones? Yeah. They're, I think, unless rare. it's someone's like imitating one, but I saw one when we went down to Colchester last week. Yeah, you do get them around. Yeah, I, I saw mean, one drive. I, I, did, I, I was driving at the time and it was out yeah. the corner of my eye, so I didn't have time to tell Kat to take no, a no. picture. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought you'd be interested. Yeah, in that. no, that's that's. And if you great. want to know more about those, go to the Miles Driven Buyer's Guide for yeah. uh, that. The one I mentioned it on is the, I think actually on both the Range Rover Sport Buyer's Guide and uh, that's the L three twenty Range Rover Sport because mm-hmm. we haven't done the the newer one yet. That will be coming soon. And on the Land Rover Discovery three and four, we did that. We also covered off that they have the G four edition because. I had an auntie that had the Discovery uh, Discovery 2 in G4 edition. There you go. Yeah, in the orange thing. And then she went and got Discovery 3 after that. So. There's a nice little link for you. There you go. Yeah. Uh, should we do car news first and then do our car comparison, Sam? Or do you want to do the yeah, car comparison and car news? Car news? the news. So this will be applicable to our European listeners mainly. And that's that Vauxhall or Opel, as you'll know them, they are intending to have a performance sub-brand called GSE. It's, it's a bit of an odd one in the way that basically they're harking back to a little bit of history. They used to have the GSI. I was going to say, it rang a bell to me. I couldn't quite yeah. put my finger on what it used to be called. So they had the GSI, a sort of 90s, if you bought a hot Astra, you had a GSI. Then they brought in VXR, yep. which was then the hot uh, Vauxhall. Then they brought in gsi and vxr so you could have for example a corsa and if you had a gsi you had sort of a warm hatch if you like like it'd be like the equivalent of with ford they had the st and they had the rs Mm -hmm. okay so they were sort of trying to do something like that but the gs was probably a little bit too watered down voxel being voxel yes (laughs) and then (laughs) and then the vxr was a bit too leery so they didn't really have it in the middle around the happy medium for anyone then they got rid of both of them for sales and everything else and now what they're saying is they're going to have... They're not saying anything about the VXR, which is a bit odd. I think that name may be gone. Right, okay. Because um, it doesn't really... I mean, it doesn't... It, they can't just put an E. I mean, it could be VXR-E, I suppose. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, what they're saying is they're going to make their... They're going to have an electrified sports performance version. Right. Now, when they say electrified at the minute, that will be like a plug-in so the new astra's plug-in yeah it's not fully electric yet it's plug-in hybrid and i think they have a grandland which is also a plug-in hybrid so there'll be like hot versions of them to okay. compete sort of against the st versions of i suppose the ford focus st and then the puma st or something along those lines 
but then they want to transition because they're saying they want to be fully electric by 2028. It's a bit of an odd one for me that you would... They haven't specified that it's going to be a performance upgrade for power. It's going to be a performance upgrade for handling. Okay. Which seems a bit bizarre because you're either performance or you're not. And I know, and we've said it many a time, it's not all about power. But if you're distinguishing the performance mark, usually that would be more powerful unless they're saying our cars are so powerful, which on current evidence... It's difficult to believe yeah, that that I mean, could be the issue. Unless there's some sort of upgrade <laughs> coming along. They, they are... It's this oddity now of... You know, the funny thing is, years ago, what you'd do is you would wait for car news and you'd sort of get... You'd hear a, a bit of a whisper about this mm-hmm. and that. And, or maybe they're going to do this. Or we, we saw an engineer is working on this. Or we've seen a test car doing this. Unfortunately, because all these car companies now have a bigger parent group, you usually can just look around the group and say, well, what's already there? Yeah, and in they'll Vox- do something like this. Yeah, and in Vauxhall's case, there is the hot Peugeot, yeah. which has uh, a twin motor and like 350 horsepower on the same platform. It's under the same chassis, or the, the underpinnings are the same, so you could, in theory, just put that in. Yeah. And so if you are going to do a hot version, it would be very easy just to go over to Peugeot and say, oh yeah, well, we're part of the same group, we're going to borrow your stuff and put it in. Volkswagen is the classic of this because if you if they say there's well, they've a hot, got so many under their umbrella exactly like a hot Sayer a hot well it isn't anymore because they're all Cupras but yeah hot Cupra look at Volkswagen hot Volkswagen look at Audi you know it is even Lamborghini all the way down levels. to Skoda yeah, exactly <laughs> you can sort of just go well what's in the group the only exception to all of it is Porsche it's Porsche yeah and even then the Macan has a Volkswagen Golf R engine in the base model I, I saw I saw a video of someone that. It was. I didn't watch the whole thing. It was one of those Facebook ones that you scroll through while you're mindlessly scrolling for five, ten minutes. And it was, my customer's bought a Porsche and he's not happy with it. It must have been a mechanic or something. Okay. So he bought in, I, I'm, it was a Porsche 4x4. I don't know which one because it never panned out enough no. for me to see it. But he's like, yeah, we see he's bought this Porsche. It was an American chap. And you see he's never happy and he's not happy now because he's realised that his Porsche, and he opens the bonnet, has got a, Vox, a Volkswagen engine. I'm like, okay. Uh, I mean, you didn't expect this? <laughs> if you buy a Porsche 4x4, then... It's um, not, not going to have the turbo engine in it, is no. it? <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to think. I mean, yeah, it probably was a 2-litre out of the Volkswagen because I think the, the higher ups from there may share with Audi, but it's, it's more like, oh, do they have the 3-litre? You know, anyway, it doesn't really matter, but it will be the Macan. Because the Cayenne okay. has got a, a much bigger setup. Although then again, the Cayenne has this hybrid system. So, it, so I I get if if it was a nine eleven, you know, like someone said, I've got a nine eleven GT three, yeah, then yeah, and I've fine. got a Golf engine. I think people like I've paid one hundred and eighty grand to have a sports car. I've got a Golf engine. That's a fair cop. Yeah, but when you're shopping along their SUV line, you have to. I, I remember speaking to someone years ago, in uh, when I was starting in a corporate job. And I, and I made this, I, I just, it was a throwaway sentence of, oh, well, you know, Skoda, Volkswagen, they're all the same. And they yeah, were like, yeah. what do you mean? I was like, well, you know, it's Seat, Skoda, Volkswagen, Porsche, Lamborghini, Ducati, like, man. But, you know, all, the, all these brands, they're all under Volkswagen. Audi, you know. And they were like, no, I don't think that's correct. Like, <laughs> I'm 100% sure that it is correct. I may I'm, not know much, yeah. but I know this. <laughs> and they were like, well, how does that work? Like it works in the exact way of all economies of scale. Like it's 
that they bought the brand, stick their underpinnings underneath it, and then sell it as slightly cheaper one. It's like yeah. it's like having brands that, for beans. You've got Heinz. Mm-hmm. You've got the fancy, finest, posh ones. Cheap ones, yeah. They do beans. But, you know, there'll be a factory somewhere. Admittedly, probably some will have better first ingredients or whatever. Yeah, but the cheap ones, well, they make beans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, they can't... There's only so much a car can evolve to before yeah. it's flying, and then it's a plane. So. <laughs> yeah. An interesting question for you. Do Mazda platform shows anyone? No. And do oh, you know why I'm uh, asking? Okay, they do borrow okay. other vehicles sometimes. With the example of the Mazda 2 Hybrid, which is not a Mazda, it is it's, a Toyota. Yes, thank you. Right, okay. so we yeah. dropped our, well, I say ours, we, my part, my fiance dropped hers off at Mazda. Because okay, she service. actually has the actual Mazda yeah. 2. Your yes. favourite Mazda dealer, the one in the place where oh, we went to. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Um, I've got. I could go into a whole story about that, but we'll either save that for the end or I'll do it on another podcast. Yeah. But while I was there, I was. I saw. We walked past to go in. And she went to the service desk, and I just saw the sign out the corner of my eye. It says Mazda Two, Mazda 2 Hybrid. And I was like, Oh, look, baby, it's the new Mazda Two Hybrid. And I looked inside, and I was like, Oh, they've redone the whole of the interior. It's odd it's that like they've got a whole new platform. Yeah. Here. Like, it looks a bit chunkier, doesn't it? And I walked around towards the back, and I was like, Huh. This looks, looks like very, a Yaris. Yeah, this, this is very familiar. <laughs> this is in the wrong showroom. <laughs> Why is there a Toyota Yaris in the Mazda dealership? Yeah. This is one of those funny things. Mazda have done this. I'm trying to think they did this once before, but I've, it looks completely awful. Well, it's funny because they've just got... It is, I mean, it's a Yaris. It, Scratch the badges off. In fairness, the Yaris isn't an ugly car, but when you're upgrading from a Mazda 2 currently... Mm. You would expect it to look similar because you've got a Mazda. You obviously liked it for a reason. That's mm. why you've got it. You didn't buy a Toyota Yaris because you didn't like it or it just wasn't yeah. your option. But then you go in to upgrade to the new Mazda 2. You think, oh, I'll yeah. get a hybrid. That's not a Mazda 2. I mean, it doesn't look like a Mazda no, 2. A and it's a completely different looking car. It's yeah. like going in to buy a Porsche and being presented with a Scania lorry. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I should just correct myself, actually, because you said, do they platform share? They don't do an official platform share. What they do is they... So they're just going to Toyota dealers, buying them and then just <laughs> changing the badges. Uh, they, um, most of their, like the Mazda 2 underneath has the same underpinnings as the Ford Fiesta. Yeah. Okay. And that was also for the previous generation as well. They, Mazda do a lot of changes, but it's part of that thing of they're one of the few brands left. Um, and I really am struggling to think of another brand that doesn't have someone else behind them they're just independent. Yeah. So because of that, they can't do certain things. I mean, I suppose Jaguar Land Rover is probably a good example as well. Of a, of, you know, but they are, well, actually, no, they're independent. They're owned by themselves now. So they're probably another good example. But they, when they're going to release a new Mazda 3, Mazda 2, Mazda 6, they need to have someone somewhere who's done some of, like they can't do it for every single one of their cars. No, that's fair. So, yeah, I think, I think the current six is their own platform i think the three is not um in fact the newest three might be sorry i'm i'm going backwards and forwards here the two i'm pretty sure is not that's on a fiesta chassis but i don't want to i don't it, that makes them sound like they're just rebadging forwards and they're really not it's quite extensive oh yeah do. it is it's only the new hybrid mazda 2 that it is, is ju- it is a toyota yaris yes. that has a different badge on it there is there is another car company that, that has happened oh, that this I, I think it was suzuki or someone oh yeah it's currently uh if you want to buy a toyota rav4 yeah but you would like to pay a little bit more of money for it and not have the toyota support you can buy 
a Suzuki right. that is the exact car. Oh, okay. As in Suzuki go, <laughs> can I have your RAV4? Yes. They scratch the Toyota badge off. <laughs> they put a Suzuki badge on and you don't get the 10-year warranty that you'd have if it was a Toyota. <laughs> so I can't really see where the benefit lies. But this is part of the problem of Mazda are under pressure to get their fleet CO2s yeah. below the European caps. And they can't do it in, in the way that they're being asked. So they have to sort of lean into other companies and say, it's not great for them. Because you can think, they really can't make much money on those Mazda 2 hybrids. They are just selling them a lot like the Aston Martin Signet years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was a Toyota IQ. I wonder why everyone nicks a Toyota. Mm. Do you think it's just they know it will work? <laughs> so they're just like, well, yeah. nick a Toyota and stick our badge on it. And then we can carry on making whatever rubbish we make. <laughs> Interestingly. The, you remember when you were trying to do a deal at that Mazda dealership for my mother yes. and you were looking at the three Yeah, and it was the slightly higher spec one but you were just trying to get it down to the price of the medium spec one Yeah, and they said to you can't do any deals, we can't get any cars this car, I will sell it for this price within weeks yeah. if I sell it to it, you, I'm going to have no stock to come back, yeah. that car's still on the forecourt no, that was a full black year one. ago, it was black wasn't it yeah, 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 yeah. the black one still sat there fully wow. spec Mazda 3 Sat on the forecourt, not sold. Because <laughs> I, mean, I was laughing as he walked in, and Cat was like, well, "What are you laughing at?" I was like, "That's the car that they said they would sell within minutes. Yeah, that they wouldn't yeah, sell yeah, yeah. to Mum that she wanted and would have loved, uh, and it's still there. Probably because they're <laughs> adamant that they're going to get the money for it. And... The bloke's on his way. Yes, He'll be exactly. here any yeah. minute. <laughs> do you know how many times as a salesman <laughs> I have been there in a position of saying I do have and. It was a case of, I had another customer, I was bending the truth. Yeah. I had another customer that said they were going to come and sit on Saturday. It was Monday. And all of a sudden, that person was coming tomorrow. Yeah. That was always the way. <laughs> well, you know, we do have some other interested parties. You expect that a bit with sales. Most people know that they're going to get that. And you sort yeah, of you take it. But at some bit. point, they'll give up with this. And they'll say, well, well I will meet you. You know, you're here now. I'll meet yeah. you in the middle. It, Not, we will sell this tomorrow. Yes. The classic saviour is always, well, you're here today. So I'll do the deal with you. Yeah. And actually, that is a gen like that that isn't um sales patter. I would always try and sell on the day. Of course you would. Because there is no guarantee. Even though that person said they'll pay they'll give me fifty quid and and a case of beers if I hold it for them, <laughs> yeah. they won't show up. So it's better for me to even if I sell it for a five hundred quid discount, just to get it out the door. That was always what I was taught. And that's why I was so baffled when we walked into this dealer. But clearly they know better because they've still got the car. Well, I was trying to push Kat into a CX-60 while we were there because she's next year she's pretty much got her heart set and she's going to move up to a crossover. CX-60, is that the one that's, that's the one that the you said one? was the best car that people could buy at the moment at some point? I'm, I'm not sure if you said it on a podcast or if we were talking about it, but yeah. you said that if anybody was getting a medium-sized car, yeah, yeah, yeah. they'd be stupid not to buy that Is that one. in the showroom, was it? They got one in the showroom. Okay. Um, I tried to convince her to buy that, but she's not having any of it. She wants to move away from Mazda now. Oh, so. because she's had problems, which is well, is, and she had a problem with this service as well, which we'll go into it another. Yeah, well, I'm not surprised about that, but there we go. Um, I was just going to say, she just just quickly on Mazda. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they are, they don't normally have lots of problems, but you your partner has been unfortunate because mm. she seems to have bought the one that the one that was bought in when they were all on holiday and they had reserve staff come in from I don't know. Oh, that Some... car's awful. If you're if you're driving with you when you've got the aircon on and you put your foot down, it's very jerky in its acceleration. It's just <laughs> like it doesn't have enough power because it's trying yeah. to power the aircon that you can't put your foot down. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, that was that was my bit of news, which was yeah, that was so, your news about Vauxhall. That was a Vauxhall. <laughs> so they're going to do that. I, I the only part of this that I thought was a bit bold 
was this statement of 2028 electric everything. And I thought, well, at the minute, they sell, they're the best selling car in the UK, the Vauxhall Corsa. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm sorry to our further international listeners. I know sometimes, but for, we have lots of European listeners. This is important news, and we have obviously a lot of UK listeners. So they, they're the best selling car in the UK at the moment is the Vauxhall Corsa. Yeah. But it's not the Vauxhall Corsa E, which is their fully electric one. It's the regular Vauxhall Corsa. Because the regular Vauxhall Corsa is a reasonable price. Does the job. Of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Corsa E is £30,000. So it's the price of entry-level Audis. Yeah. So people make the quite obvious decision to go for the cheaper one. Uh, which is, is always the way. The best-selling car in the UK is usually something that is very reasonably priced but has a good enough sort of badge and middling reputation mm-hmm. so your ford Vauxhall, um sort of the korean uh japanese sometimes yeah. like that but really it's it's ford and, and Vauxhall. they've been fighting it out for years and volkswagen sorry i should say to say within six years you're gonna be able to transition fully to electric and still make money i i'm i thought that was a bit brave uh, particularly because there's been a lot of advanced talks about e-fuels. And I know I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I didn't realise just how sort of effective they can get e-fuels into our current e- uh, infrastructure. Yeah. There's a, an argument being made in the EU, and the EU have given an extra four years now to consider this. So it's obvious that they're not, they, they're not batting it away. If you give something four years of consideration, and it's essentially that, you can create e-fuels using solar power. The amount of solar power you need, if you can secure enough desert land and blah, 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 what can be carbon neutral, and you can put it into the existing system overnight. You don't have to put charge points everywhere. Oh, wow, okay. Create more electricity. The, the, the biggest issue we always have is um, creating energy in the most ideal place. So if you're spinning a turbine in Scotland, it's easy. You're spinning a turbine somewhere where never the wind never blows. Yeah, it's not, and, and the sun never shines. Then it's much harder to get energy there from a renewable, which is why certain parts of the world are still burning coal or whatever else they're doing. Uh, well, there's loads of reasons, but yeah. <laughs> um, but the, just the point being there that they there's the, sort of this bit of research that's coming out and it's saying actually, you know, we have the infrastructure already set in place. The cost of creating a combustion engine is very low compared to the quite extensive work of a battery pack. Maybe we should take a second thought if we can run it off something that is clean. Yeah. And uh, so I, I just, a lot of manufacturers that are sort of given these hard lines, I think Jaguar, Lamra, uh, Jaguar sorry, have done this. They've said 2025, we're going to be all electrified and then 2030, everything electric. And you're like, it's a lot of investment to throw yourself in that direction when the door seems like it still could be open. And re- yeah, if, I, at least I, it's being considered. Yeah, I would say if electric cars at the moment or within the foreseeable future were going to be par for, for retail price, I'd say, well, they've probably got no chance. But the fact that they're now digging up bits of Greenland to try and find more lithium and co- uh, cobalt, actually, is the... Yeah. Like, when you're, when you're <laughs> doing that, you kind of think, hmm... If we had lots of it, and it was easy to get hold of... Then you wouldn't be doing that. No, we wouldn't be going to the far reaches of the earth where it's really difficult to get it out of. We would just be, <laughs> you know, um, 
So anyway, just a, a, a side point. Sam, you had some news on some supercar stuff for people that are bored of my talking about Vauxhall. Well, it's not it's not much. No, news, no, but it's something. Zondra <laughs> making yeah, a new yeah. car. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry, Zondra, Pagania. Pagania, yeah. Wow, someone's had a long day at work. Yes. <laughs> Zondra making a new Pagani. Well, there we go. Um, yeah, that's pretty much what we've got on it. It's sort of a, a bit like the Koenigsegg, sort of hark back to their earlier models. Looks, pro- looks quite nice, actually. We've seen a picture of it, haven't we? And yeah, is they calling there's it not the... a lot more information on it at the moment. What are they calling it? The Europa, I believe, isn't it? Utopia. Utopia, there you yeah. go. Close. I was nearly there. You were nearly there. The right yeah. amount of syllables. Yes. Um, it seems... That's pretty much what we've got on it for now. It does look quite good, and it is, it's a nice hark back. We could put up a who did it better at some point. We could. Once we've got more details. You said Koenigsegg did this, what was it, about a year ago? Or six no, this was ago. only a few weeks ago. That oh, we, right, we, done... we talked about it a few weeks ago. We yeah. did. We did. Yeah, sorry. So Koenigsegg already did this. Yeah. I wonder if they were working on it at the same time. Quite possibly, and they just sort of pipped I... them to the post with Yeah, because I can't imagine they found out four weeks ago that they've and done And then it. redesigned a car. <laughs> <laughs> Right, no one goes home, no one goes to sleep until this yeah. is done. Yeah. Interestingly, Koenigsegg sort of, with the name of it, they've sort of harked back to the name of the original car. Yes. Sondra have gone with a completely, uh, Pagani, sorry, have gone with a completely different name, which is, I... there's nothing wrong with that, it's just interesting. No. If you were harking back, you think you'd have some sort of I wonder, similar name. I wonder if they're doing it because they think that if they are going to do it, now is, because pro- they use Mercedes V12s. Yes. And I suppose well, there won't be any availables. Yeah, that, that basically, if they want to get their hands on them, they need to sort of get them out the door now because Mercedes will stop making them, and then your engine supplier's gone. Yeah, Although exactly. I, I I wonder whether Mercedes would just make fifty of them if Pagani asked, because they have all the tools. It's not like you know they. Just oh yeah, it just depends it whether away. they get any backlash from it. I guess if they yeah. If someone did... finds out and they're angry about it. Interestingly, just a, another side bit of news. I heard Mercedes have announced they will... Cont- uh, sorry, not Mercedes. Mercedes AMG or the AMG department. I don't... The only reason I'm making that distinction is a lot of manufacturers are sort of splitting off their performance arms now. Yeah. So it used to always just be... Well, for obvious reasons, because with the electric them. stuff, you can carry on making it if you only make a certain if amount of cars. If you're a small manufacturer, yeah. So I don't know if this is a Mercedes AMG or AMG, but it doesn't matter. They're going to keep making V8s past 2030. That's an official announcement. Well, that's good. That's interesting that they've come out now to say that. You know, they, they think that they can... And w- when they said it, they said, oh, we, we can fit within the EU's requirements. You're like, isn't the EU's requirements zero emissions and all that sort of stuff? So it's interesting that they've looked at what is going to be um, impacting them in eight years' time and think they can still make a V8. So it's good news. Well, yeah, that is very good news. Just interest. I'd, I'd love to know sort of what either technological or, or what information they have that has been able to give them that boost yeah. to publicly announce it. It's one thing to say it, you know, not officially sort of say anything, just sort of say, oh, we think we can, we think we can. But to actually officially say, no, we're going to keep doing it. Uh, they must be confident. That's so, a nice positive bit of news. It is, yeah. That takes to the end of the news, which then gives us our comparison for the day. Okay. Oh, it's a new feature. Uh, oh, do you know what? I'd love it new, to be. New jingle. Do, do, just... do, do, do. Comparison of the day. There we go, yeah. <laughs> um, what I had previously put down a lot of uh, plans for our podcast. We would have comparisons in every single one. The trouble is that sometimes there's a lot of motoring news. Sometimes there isn't so much. And yeah. you just fill out a podcast in just the motoring news rather than having the comparison in. And I was like, well. Which you're doing a good job at now, to be fair. I mean, you filled out quite a good portion there of this we go. one in. Yeah. Just the news. So, 
comparison today is there is, as everyone will be aware, there's a Toyota Supra that you can currently buy for sale. There's an Audi TT you can currently buy for sale. Now, the Toyota Supra is obviously the long step, much, much newer. Um, I thought you were going to say it's obviously the better car. <laughs> no, it's obviously much newer than the TT of the current generation, which is now going into its final year of production. It's pretty much sort of finished. Um, obviously, they'll keep making special editions, and the, the sort of current um, standard versions are available to order, but it is now sort of in that in the twilight of its years, and Audi do not intend to replace it immediately. Oh, no. Because they're going to do an electric thing, I think, with it or something else. But anyway, it's interesting to compare off when you have two vehicles that are almost in the same space. Yes. Yeah. You know, the Toyota Supra is a proper sports car. The Audi TT, built on a Golf chassis. It has the look, but it's never really been built to have all of the substance, although it does have the RS version, which arguably then does, but then we're drifting from the 2-litre to 2-litre. Yeah. I think the most interesting thing for me is that when you compare where we were with the with the Audi mm-hmm. and the buyers that existed for it, which were quite a wide band of people, yeah, the Toyota doesn't seem like it will carry... You know, if you own an Audi TT at the moment, and say it comes up to the end of its lease or, you, you know, in two years' time, whatever else you are interested in swapping, will you get into the Supra? Because that would be... Mm, one probably of not. The, no, this is the thing, isn't it? And I, I wonder what those consumers are going to do. Because if you, if you like having a sports coupe car or a convertible version, yeah, there are really a vanishing number of available and the the toyota supra is sat there on toyota forecourts and you drive past them you think i see them on forecourts don't see that many on the road no and you wouldn't you wouldn't put someone coming out of a tt going into that you wouldn't it's not the the natural they don't look like a similar car do they no No, they are but they don't look yeah if i said someone swapped out of a z4 into a tt and vice versa people yeah yeah and it's funny because the Supra is obviously on the, the chassis, the platform, everything is shared with the Z4. Yeah. But for some reason, the two just don't seem to have a natural handoff between them of cross-shopping. You don't see a lot of people, even though, as I say, the, the three-litre that has the, the six-cylinder, much more powerful, that's um, probably would not be in the, unless you're looking at maybe a TTRS, it's, mm-hmm. it's probably just not a comparable car. But when you bring it down to the two litres, this, these are people who are more like, yep, yeah, I want a sporty car, something that's quick, but I'm not you know, interested in ultimate speed or being a, a real sort of you know, go-to-car meets or whatever yeah, else like yeah, that. Yeah. They, they, just, they like cars, they've got the money for it. It seems to me like they would get in a TT, they would get in a Z4, but they're not showing no, up not at Toyota. The super, no. and the, only, the only thing I wonder is whether they know that it's there. Or whether they do know it's there, they take one glance at it and just think it's a bit too sports car-y for them. And, yeah, it might be, because it's ever so slightly bigger than everything else. Well, it probably seems bigger than everything else. It might not even necessarily be bigger than everything else. No, I don't think but it is, yeah, I think. But it looks like it, and it look, probably looks a bit more intimidating. Similarly, you never used to see people sort of getting out of those sorts of a Z4 and getting into an S2000. No, no, S2000 is a great um a But great a similar problem. Is yeah. Some cars just obviously seem to have this stigma about them, maybe. Yeah, well, it's just, I mean, if you think of an S2000 consumer, like people who bought them, 
I just can't imagine what they they weren't looking at German prestige for the badge or anything else like that. No. They <laughs> wanted performance. That's why they bought an S two thousand. Um, what's hilarious is if they did buy an S two thousand, they kept it. As I had a neighbour who did. They've made a lot of money now. Uh, yeah, I mean, they just they just owned it and owned it and owned it and enjoyed it. And it's not, you know, if they bought a TT all those years ago, now it'd just be, well, not worth a great deal unless they had a very special one. Whereas that S2000 has got people clambering over. You put it up for sale, it wouldn't be a case of, are you open to offers? It'd be a case of, how much will you take you of in? my money? <laughs> I'm running to your house, you know, <laughs> uh, particularly a good condition one. So, yeah. I suppose this is the thing every now and again you get something we used to have more of them you know you used to have the 350z then you had the and the 370z following it uh obviously the US get the the new z car we don't mm-hmm. um I've made my you've made your feelings clear on that one yes um Nissan it's not that hard for you you already make it in right hand drive for <laughs> Japan send it over this way you know <laughs> um then you had the Mazda RX8 and you had the Honda S2000. So there was a lot of... The only one that was really missing was Toyota. They had the Celica, but it wasn't really in that comparison. No. But, you know, they, at the time, all those Japanese manufacturers were kind of like, yeah, we'll, we'll punt him for a sports car. Why not? And now you see them, it's sort of Mazda make... The MX-5. Yeah, and they've it. sort of kept going with that, and I really take my hats off to them for keep going to it, because, again... It's a car I, I cannot remember the last time I saw a new number plate no. on a on no, an that's X5. Fair. Um, and it's a shame because we did a piece of this on the website quite a while ago about MX-5s. The new generation, okay, I prefer the, the Mark III I think I sold, which would have been 2005 to 2012, 2013-ish, maybe 2014 as well. Right. Then you've got the, this current generation after it. And a lot of people sort of turned up to this current generation and either the looks put them off a little bit or I don't know if some of the sparkle for some people was lost. I, I don't know if it's just because everyone suddenly started buying SUV and NMX5 looked like a really small car. Quite possibly. Um, and then for the people that kept the smaller Maz- MX5, it seemed a much bigger car yes, than it, it was before. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't know, but... That's still a cracking car. And if you are in the market for one of them, that's probably one of the few places you can still go to outside of our comparison today because uh, MX-5 is less powerful. It's not competing with the two cars we're talking about, the TT and the Supra. But as a sports car, just to own and enjoy, I I think you still can't go too far wrong. Now, if it was going to be those two cars head-to-head, I think what the TT does is it shows where we were in okay. the you know it's it had the prestige badge it's a quick straight line car it's not particularly sort of track focused or anything like that obviously you can no. put bits on them and they can become it toyota have decided no let's let's plump for that let's go for that that's what we want to do and in doing so have sort of alienated some of the market unfortunately yeah, i think that's a fair comment yeah I was just trying to think that the only car, the only other car I think would be comparable, and I'm pretty sure they've stopped selling it, at least for now. They did a two-litre in the F-type Jaguar. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure it's gone, or at least at the minute it's not available. Oh, okay. Because they obviously restricted their yeah. uh, their range, so they'd rather sell you the top end or nothing, basically. Um, as the comparisons go, I think 
if you're out there and you're looking at something and you're like, oh, the TT's going to be gone, should I get one? Go and have a wander over to a Supra. It's a better car to drive. It's a better driving experience. Yeah. But it's not... Oddly, uh, in many ways, the, the, the Audi makes such a good argument for itself, even though when it first came out, everyone was like, well, it's an odd shape. And you lose, you know, it's got back seats, but who can use them apart from small children? I've been sat in the back of an Audi TT and I was laying across yeah. the back seats. <laughs> uh, boot space is quite good, but then, you know, not as good as a Golf, which is based on. I would still sort of say, why don't you go and have a look at the Supra? I think there's more fun to be had there. And if you are buying something for the fun of it, I think where, where we're leaving, which is the Audi mm-hmm. generation, and as I say, it won't be replaced, and where for now we're going to, which is the Supra, is actually a better deal. I would suggest the GRA6, but unfortunately, as we know, <laughs> you can't get one in the UK. Uh, they've all sold out. Um, and I think that's a story that is, it's not echoing around the world, but at the minute for a lot of people, you just can't walk into a dealer and just buy one. Yeah. So, yeah. There you go. Consumer advice. Yeah. Consumer advice is get yourself a, a Supra. If, if you're in the market for a two litre, even though people look at you and say, well, you should have got the three litre, the more powerful one. Well, if you just want a fun sports car. Yeah, then you're fine with that. You're fine with the two litre. Yeah, it's okay. It's not available with the manual gearbox, which I think is a bit of a shame. But there we go. All right. Now that ends Our today's automotive. automotive podcast section. The rest now, of this. Now, the rest of this is going to be, I'll talk for a minute because you're going to be talking for the next 20. No, go for it, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, give you a chance to sort of, Get a drink, collect your thoughts, see which companies you're going to bash. Now, if you if you are just here for the automotive stuff, we will give you the warning now that, you know, we'll say if you want to shoot off, that's fine. We won't hold it against you and we shall see you on the next one. We'll say goodbye now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, let's say we don't hold it against you. It, it, I, I actually didn't want to do a moan on our podcast. for Oh, it. I'm making him do it. Uh, yeah. However, however, if we said goodbye to those people, they've gone now. See you later. Now, the rest of you are obviously here for some, for some hilarity. Yeah. Now, we'll set some context. Miles went to Cyprus for his honeymoon. Yeah. You were due to fly back, I believe. Let me see if I can get this right. You were flying with Wiz Air. Wiz Air, yeah. You were due to land back home at 9 p.m. on Saturday, UK time. About half nine. Okay. Yep. Um, weirdly, you for once hadn't asked me to take you to the airport, which is, we've, we've not actually discussed why yet, but you can tell me I'll after go the podcast. I'll go on to that in a second. Um, but we shall pick it up from probably 6 p.m. here, I guess. What, when I arrived home? No, 6 p.m. here the night before, on Saturday. Oh, right, yeah. Well, what, what, 4 or 5 p.m. when you got to the airport and Yeah. What and I want to say just beforehand... Did you have a nice honeymoon, though? Fantastic. Good. Really enjoyed it. And uh, the only reason I didn't ask you to give me a lift is because usually when I have flown Cyprus, I would go from Heathrow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because airline, I think this was a problem. Anyone who's tried to go away in a plane throughout sort of summer 2022 will know this. Doesn't matter where in the world you are, by the sounds of it. There's just a restriction on flights, on staffing, all this sort of stuff. Yeah. After, as with my Amsterdam story when I was yes, coming back uh, from as, Amsterdam. Yeah. Um, so because of that, we couldn't get a ticket out of Heathrow. I don't think so. We had to go from Gatwick. And if you're listening to this and you're not familiar with how the UK airports work. If you imagine where London is, London has a giant ring road, if you like, around it called the M25 motorway. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
inside of that you've got the green belt and then you've got basically london or is it the green belt outside of the m25 no it's inside yeah yeah anyway uh off to the west but within that m25 zone is Heathrow. yeah then you have london city airport which is more for jumping around europe sort of yep. western europe because it's more prop propeller planes and small i think the a220 mm-hmm. airbus for people who are into aviation i think it can go there um then outside of that you've got luton you've got stansted where if you're listening to this in north america if you've ever watched a state visit yep, from where they come into presidents and stuff yeah or it, to be fair it doesn't matter where you're listening whatever if you've had seen a state visit of your government they've almost definitely landed at stansted that's yep. the elected airport so that's off to the north east sort of where sam's yeah. uh, to be wife yeah, on is, the way to colchester is from yep and then south of all of that is gatwick yeah and so because we couldn't go from heathrow and gatwick is another 40 odd minutes down the road um i felt a bit, I, I just felt like well we'll just drive ourselves because asking you to go all that way around you always get stuck on the m25 yeah it's interesting because you're picking us up when we come back from honeymoon aren't you yeah yeah from gatwick <laughs> see i'm a good friend but although also you're not doing both journeys no so. and, and to be fair yeah. i, I have first a... time you've ever been considerate Yes. I picked you up from Gatwick before. I was going to say, <laughs> you have actually picked me up from Gatwick and Heathrow many times. Yeah. So, and particularly Gatwick, actually. Weirdly, never Luton. No. Which is just down the road. Yes, because <laughs> I don't mind parking there. <laughs> uh, now, had a great trip. And then about four hours before we were set to take off. Mm-hmm. I got so you're at the airport at this point? No. This was the only thing that was... Because, as Sam knows, I don't do anything early on time slightly late yeah you don't you don't meet any of those boundaries no. so <laughs> it's usually catastrophically late <laughs> would be your earliest <laughs> so i'd said to my partner oh, we can leave we can we were at the pool in the hotel we've checked out but they said it's fine we can hang around and we we got on very well with some of the staff there and they've uh, given us a couple of drinks and we're just sort of sat tanning at the pool expecting us to have to go and get a taxi or a, or a bus in the next Sort of you were going to pay for a taxi or a bus? A bus? I'm, I can maybe see Sam, you stretching you, too. You are going to laugh as I carry this story on. You really are. That's why I'm making you tell it. Um, so Sam actually doesn't know any of this. I thought I'd no? tell him on the podcast. Uh, to cut a long story short of this first bit, they sent me one text message. The plane is delayed. I look on flight radar on my phone. The plane hasn't left Gatwick. <laughs> the second one, the plane is delayed by another hour. So I'm thinking, okay, at this point, we actually can have our dinner in cyprus which would actually be quite nice to have another if this is the flight time we would have actually wanted if there was nothing going off at about nine o'clock at night yeah one hour later now uh, we're three hours from what they are saying we will take off from and about an hour and a half from when we should actually have been taking off by the schedule flights cancelled <laughs> so we're now sat checked out of a hotel which is fully booked that night because I'd already heard the staff up from that morning when I'd checked out, speaking to someone else who had asked, could they check in for a week? A um, couple of business people. And they were yeah. like, we're really sorry. We're actually fully booked. So I said to my wife, I know they're fully booked. Now, the saving grace is obviously our family in Cyprus, so we weren't going to be on the streets. But, Which is a shame for the rest of us. Yes. <laughs> but that isn't the panic that you're in at the time. You're, the panic you're in is, our flight's been cancelled. Uh, Wizz Air Customer Service is notoriously not the best it's an, it's embarrassing yeah like, it, the, do you know what as i say i will cut the flight crew slack because of what they have to deal with from some of the passengers and they were very professional yeah uh, although the service is 
all they can offer, which is very basic. Uh, pilots, very professional, got us there, kept us updated, all very good. Customer service was worse than if you walked into... EasyJet. No, I was thinking more like, you know, if you went into a kebab shop at three o'clock in the morning yeah. with a complaint about an uncooked chip. Okay. Like, you know, the sort of look and, and exchange of words you're going to have probably isn't, oh, we're terribly sorry that one of our guests has not had their chips cooked how they like. You can't get hold of their customer service. I... So at the moment, similar to EasyJet, when, you know, you're, they're telling you to go to a gate in Schiphol Airport to get your flight home, you get there yeah. and you see the flight hasn't landed yet, but they're yeah. telling you you're going to be boarding in five minutes. Yes. Yeah. So okay. what, what happened was, if you want to call them, it's £1.50 a minute, Plus fifteen. You don't have a free number. Plus fifteen pounds connection. <laughs> you're in. You're in a different country, and uh, I have like a paid up minutes thing, per of month, like, a, do, like yeah. a deal per month. Because you're got. a scrope. Well, to be fair, it's what you essentially have. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just have to top it up in advance if I yeah. want to use outside of those minutes. Um, I was close to my hundred percent of EU data usage. <laughs> I went onto their live chat and I thought I'll just keep putting customer service in over and over. Mm-hmm. They gave us absolutely zero option of another flight. The live chat sends you round in a circle asking if you want to cancel your flight. And when you say, no, you have canceled my flight, what do I do? Yeah. It says, so you want to cancel your flight. And you go round <laughs> that until you, all of your EU data is used up and then you're stuck. <laughs> my partner gives me her phone and she says, well, there's three options according to this email they've just sent me. You, we can have a refund, which they tell you to get in advance because if you cancel the flight for the scheduled time, right. they can claim you cancelled it, no compensation, no nothing. Because, of course, you cancelled the flight, right. even though they had cancelled it on you. <laughs> or they'll give you 120% of whatever your ticket cost was in With... Wizz Air vouchers. Oh, good. That's helpful because there's no flights. <laughs> yeah. Or... The other, the the final thing is, uh, you can reschedule. You click on the reschedule link. Hoping. So there's no point. There, there are no point. Can you just get your money back? Uh, you can ask for a refund, and they'll refund you the ticket price, but not with anything like the 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 very short bit of this is, if we wanted to fly back, the only other flight coming out of uh, Larnaca, which is where we were, to Gatwick was British Airways. It was a thousand pounds per ticket. <laughs> So you're kind of now when I've been I have been abroad and I have had a um, an airline cancel a flight, they put us on the next flight with anyone yeah, to get you yeah. out of a stranded situation. Yeah. And that's what we did. I can't remember who it was. It was someone like we'd flown out with Tui or one of the or maybe it was maybe in British Airways, but we flew back with a completely like Norwegian or someone. Yeah. Because they just were like, We're really sorry, the plane is not going. We have rebooked you onto a flight one hour later. Well, I think that's when you started flying with Norwegian when you could. Yes. Because of that situation, because wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. You just by chance got put with them. And so, with they don't do that. They say, click on this link, and the link takes you to a broken website link, which says not found. Wow. So, we're stuck. And paying £2,000 for flights back that were left in like an hour and a half, and we'd have had to run for, uh, didn't really... Didn't appeal. Didn't appeal. If, if they had told us three hours before... At least if we were going to spend that money to get back, bearing in mind, knowing that we'll never get the money out of them. 
Well, that's the problem. You think if you if it was a reasonable company, you think, well, I can I can fight and I'll get this back. Yeah, they'll you, say what it might take it? me a while, but yeah. I will get this money back. But you know, uh, so we had to then find. I we I brought up the sort of flight radar. You can click on the thing and you can look at what's leaving yeah. Larnaca tonight. And it was like, right, there's a flight going to Stockholm. I've got family that live in Stockholm, so we can fly to Stockholm. At least we're somewhere else, yeah. and then connect <laughs> on. And it, the the flight from Stockholm to the UK will be a good price, and we can probably get back to Gatwick. But we had to then route through Copenhagen to get there, and it was going to be all types of changeovers and mess. So I was like, okay, that's that's a last resort. Mm-hmm. We could, I wouldn't even say sprint to Paphos. Paphos is on the other side of the island. Uh, it would take an hour and a half if a taxi was being... Yeah. And then uh, you've got to pay for the taxi. Yeah, you've got to pay for the taxi, but the taxi driver would have to be keen to get there, I should say, to get there in an hour and a half. Yeah. There was one flight that was going from there, but it was in like two and a half hours. I was like, so we've got to find the taxi driver that wants to do that journey. Yeah. And wants to do it fast and get there before the gate closes. I was like, this, we're yeah. just going to throw and money the, away trying yeah. to do that. The only other two flights, one went to um, uh, Bulgaria. Okay. The other two, there was some that went to Poland, but they didn't connect. Annoyingly, we'd had to flown to one part of Poland, fly to another part of Poland, fly to another part of Poland, and then connect. <laughs> or we could stay up until three o'clock in the morning and fly on a Lufthansa plane to Frankfurt, Germany, and then on to Birmingham, UK. Now, anyone who isn't from the UK will know that. Oh, sorry, won't know. But Birmingham and Gatwick are not close. No. They uh, might be close in your country's terms of close. In terms of, if you live in Australia, then they'll, they'll, they'll look quite close on a map. But as you'll know, things that look close on a map are not close. Yeah. But it was the only option at this point. So we went and had dinner. We booked those flights. I have to say, before I even talk about Lufthansa, they are night and day with carriers like the Wizz Air. Like, not even night oh, and day. They are. Solar Eclipse versus the end of time that's the difference <laughs> the, the, the way they treat people the way they talk to people the the service you get is worth every single penny for those carriers like lufthansa or british airways sas um air france you know all the sort of flag carriers yeah that it was it was just so so different but we went and got dinner and i said to my father i said well we got it to the airport at 3 a.m it's 10 p.m. We sat and had a coffee. It's like half 10. I said, we could get a taxi or we could walk it. We've got enough time. Of course you said that. And uh, it's all under the guise of, well, we'd, we'd be using some of the available time, not thinking, well, money, uh, pennies saved. <laughs> yeah. I, I said to her, I said, I've just looked and we had walked to, there was a beach where the planes land just off the edge of. Right. And that's like 20 minutes. And I said, I've looked. And it looks like there's an entrance into the airport, only an equal amount of that distance again. So it's just another 20 minutes from there, so 40-minute walk. Bearing in mind that we knew we were going to be sitting a yeah. lot, she agreed to that. What I didn't realise was what I had seen on maps. Because I didn't have data, I was just looking at what maps saves on your phone. You know, yeah. it gives you like a basic one. Yeah. That was like a service entrance for DHL. <laughs> <laughs> the actual airport entrance was another hour walk away. So, you know sometimes you deserve what you get. Yeah. And in this this one little aspect of your journey, yeah. you deserve it. Just so a, get a taxi. <laughs> so a two-hour walk in the middle of the night in Cyprus. Got With your bag. Uh, yeah, fortunately, we just had backpacks. Although okay. and I had to carry my wife's one because 
after a while, you know, it was heavy. Well, she wasn't planning on going hiking. <laughs> well, she was <laughs> on away. the last day of her honeymoon. <laughs> At night. You can imagine how nice and rested we were. We felt great. And then, you know, already we were starting to feel not so great. Got to the uh, departures bit of Cyprus left, you know, went through the airport just fine. Um, had another coffee. It's now two o'clock in the morning local time, which in the UK is... Well, what time is it in the UK? No well, it was idea. just midnight, I think. But okay. we, we sort of we got used to the time. Get on the Lufthansa plane. Take off at three o'clock in the morning. Have the most German pilots in the history of Germanness, who their whole announcement was, good, uh, good, I'm not going to do the accent, but they were like, oh, good evening. Uh, we shall get you to Frankfurt as efficiently as possible. <laughs> we have already spoken to air traffic control to get the most, uh, you know, direct to, to, Yes, exactly <laughs> that. It's like, you know what? Just get us there. I'm not worried how you do it. But it was very important to everyone on that plane that he told us. We were five minutes late. Not through their fault. It was just how, the you know, we landed. It took up at 3 a.m. there, which is the first landing slots, about 6 a.m. in Frankfurt. Right. So you're landing with everything that's come overnight, you know, yeah, from yeah. the U.S., from China, from all around the world. It's all 6 a.m. landings. And he was very apologetic. Well, unfortunately, we were not able to be as efficiently as planned. We are five minutes behind schedule. We do apologise. <laughs> if you'd like to collect your uh, refund vouchers this, on the way out. This is after. When we got onto that flight, there wasn't the sick on the floor that we'd expected with Wizz Air. <laughs> there was a blanket and a pillow waiting for us on our seat. And then the air hostess, they came around almost immediately after takeoff, gave us all a chocolate and a bottle of water, and then dimmed the lights and said, oh, good, evening. Uh, good, good night, everyone. Hope you have a nice sleep. And then... You know, 10 minutes or 20 minutes before we we land, they sort of welcome everyone. Oh, welcome to a day in Frankfurt, blah, blah, blah. I was thinking, my goodness me, this is so nice. So you're coming around to my way of travelling now where you spend a bit more money. Yeah, well, do you know what? (laughs) And have a better experience. Do you know what? Uh, We should have flown. British Airways are about triple the price of going. Yeah, you don't need to. If if you're going long haul, you go with someone like that. If you're going short haul, you could just go a little bit better. Even Ryanair would have been an improvement. Do you know what? I, I couldn't get... This was the problem. I've never... Whenever I usually have flown Cyprus, there's lots of options. Yeah. There was no options. Yeah, because you'd have gone with Norwegian normally, wouldn't you? Uh, Norwegian would have been my pick, yeah. Um, just because they, they usually do this route and it's quite good. Or British Airways actually mm-hmm. do quite a lot of flights and I've flown with them before and they were good. Now, my next problem was we landed in Frankfurt. Had to then transfer via my first bus of the day mm-hmm. to get to a different end of the terminal, take off in... Uh, it's it's funny the difference between being on a plane that clearly does the more sort of high end business and tourist routes, which was an A three two one. It was very nice. Then we got on an old A three one nine, which is like slightly Ooh, smaller. Lovely going to Birmingham, and it was just a bit like the the difference between the two planes. It's like riding a horse and then riding a donkey. Yes, <laughs> you know. But again, pilots very efficient. Air hostess is very. The the odd thing with Lufthansa is if you're flying in and out of Germany. There is a rule that you have to wear a mask on the plane. Oh, okay. So they're just part of their German rules. So I don't, I'm not complaining about it. It was just a bit when you're trying to sleep and you've got a mask on mm-hmm. and you haven't worn one in a little while. That was just a little bit of a, an issue, but it wasn't a big deal. And if anything, you know, you come off the other end and you think, well, at least if someone sneezed on that flight. It's yeah, not, I'm know. all right. <laughs> uh, land in Birmingham. Yep. At 8 a.m. So UK at time. this point, you've been up for... Uh, I woke up day before in UK time. I woke up at eight AM. So twenty four so hours. Twenty four hours, and you probably had maybe an hour on the plane. Mm, I didn't really get that. <laughs> okay. If if I got twenty minutes, I'd have been lucky. 
Okay. Yeah. So at this point, you're tired. I'm I'm exhausted when we land. But and you know this is coming off the back of a honeymoon where I wanted to have a nice relaxing. Yeah, stay. exactly. Now this is where all you want to do after a nice relaxed place is go home, have a lay down, <laughs> have a bit of lunch. You know. Instead, I was exposed to the British transport system at its <laughs> absolute worst. <laughs> I We got a lift to get us back to where we live so my partner could just come back to the apartment. Yep. I went to the local train station because there was a train that was showing it was going. Oh, sorry, how did you get back here? Got a lift from her parents who oh, very yeah, kindly yeah, yeah. left yep. their house at like six o'clock in the yeah. morning. I called them or in Cyprus. They were like, oh, how are you? Are you, are you coming back soon? Yeah, a bit of a problem with that. Our flight's been cancelled. Can you pick us up from Birmingham tomorrow morning? Because I don't fancy getting on the train straight away from Birmingham to try and get home, to try and get to London, to try and get to get. Because annoyingly for you, I was in Colchester. Yes, I messaged... At a beer festival. I so. messaged from my friends. One of them suggested I get a bus. The other one suggested that I should wait until six o'clock in the evening. In fairness, I did say to you, I would happily get up early in the morning, but I was at a beer festival. Yes. So it would have been irresponsible. Yeah, it would have been, yeah. No, but that's, otherwise, that's you'd have got a lift from Birmingham to Gatwick. Yes. And you'd have been fine. So... Got a lift to the local train station. Who a train turned up, and I kid you not, I have been on lots of trains in my life. I've, I've been on one train. This is one part of the story I know, mm. and I've been on one train like what you've been on, and I was the last person to get on it. Well, I didn't get on the train no. because for, was it like 12 or 14 carriages turned up, mm-hmm. and every single one of them was so filled when the doors opened, people were spilling out who didn't want to get off the train. Yeah, just to breathe. Just to breathe. And they were just glaring at me like, you, particularly me, the sort of height and size I am, they looking at me like, you are not getting on this train. (laughs) (laughs) So I walked along. I'm I'm holding a sandwich, which my partner's parents have given me. So I look like Paddington Bear. (laughs) Wandering along, I walked the length of the train to the uh, instructor or whatever is at the very end. And he just... Conductor. Conductor, sorry, yeah. And he just shouted at me, they're all the same, mate. That was helpful. Yeah, and I was like, ah, awesome. Turned around, thought, well, maybe someone will realise my plight. That I've <laughs> walked all the way down and I've not been able to get on any, like, as in the bits behind, like, I can't, there's nowhere to stand. Yeah. Uh, no one moved. Everyone stared at me and the doors closed and it went. And I thought, fine, I'll wait for the next train. The next six trains out of that station are on a bus replacement service. <laughs> which didn't show up. No way. I was stood in a car park on a hot day. At this point, it was midday. It's yeah, it was quite warm, actually, that day. It was. Um, I'm I remember the... we went out for lunch at the pub, and I thought, well, it, is a bit... well, it looks quite, quite warm outside. Oh, I'm glad yeah. we're not sat by a window, because that would impact my, my mm. hangover day. Yes, and I'm glad I haven't been up for 30 hours and wearing the same yeah, clothes. That would yeah. have been awful. That would have been awful, yeah. <laughs> so I stood waiting for this bus, didn't turn up, didn't turn up. The family in front of me gave up, got in their car, drove off. Thought, okay, it's just me. At this very, I had a stranger come up to me and ask me if he could use my Facebook. Weird, which I thought was very bizarre. Fortunately for me, I don't use Facebook, which is why, yeah. if as you'll know, on the Miles Driven, if you have a Facebook uh, message you want to send us, you send it to the Miles Driven, and Sam is the person that gets back to you. Just because I don't have Facebook, I have Instagram, mm-hmm. but I, I was like, no. I mean, he was mm-hmm. laying down in the street with a Corona in his hand <laughs> <laughs> prior to coming to ask me, so I was a little bit. Uh, hesitant hesitant in the first place <laughs> but the fact that he was like I thought he was going to ask me for some money and I was going to explain to him after the day I've just had <laughs> you can give me some money yes. uh, so the trains uh, so buses didn't show up ordered myself an Uber Uber 
confirmed that they had a driver on the way, you know, send you a message. Yep. Get the the sort of um, number plate of the car, and then one minute before it's arrived, two buses turn up. <laughs> one for the next train, and one for the train that I've been waiting for that's late. So, of course, I just get in the Uber, because I'm like, well, I can still make the next train. This bus is too late to get yeah. there, but the Uber will drive a bit faster. I'll be able to get there. Mm-hmm. Nice guy. Had a good chat with him. Explained that I'd been awake for a very long period of time, and if I fell asleep, just to you know, nudge me, which he was fine with. Got to the train station, ran through the gates, which were open, down the stairs, and the train closed its doors as I got about halfway down the stairs <laughs> and was moving by the time I got to the bit at the bottom of them, <laughs> which was fantastic because I had another 45 minute wait for the next train. Went to the other platform, waited there in the heat. Like a homeless man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really was. At this point, I had 6% battery on my phone. But at this point, you were still updating us. And I was, I felt like replying saying, if you've got no battery, why are you texting because, us? But this is the problem is, if you've ever been really drunk or if you've ever been away yeah, for a long period of time, you don't think you're, about you're not it. making rational decisions yeah. anymore. And this is where I really needed Sam because Sam is the expert of all trains as well, far as I'm concerned. Okay. <laughs> the board said the next train to arrive was like a nothing train. Like, don't get on it. It's not a train that's doing anything. It's terminating here. Yeah. Forget about it. The train after that is the one you want. Uh, a train arrived and stopped and continued to be stopped there and other people who were just sort of walking down the stairs just got on this train I'm like um, well maybe that's the train I'm sp- I mean it doesn't leave for another 15 minutes but it's not going anywhere Yeah, and it's empty suggests to me this is the train I want to get on so I get on there because I can see a charger I start charging my phone Yeah, but the clock on the train is wrong <laughs> And there is no destination coming up. And I think if this thing starts moving north, I have just oh, wasted I see my, my south train leaving. <laughs> going the other way. I've just wasted the Uber trip here because I'm going to go back in the direction I've just come from. Uh, with two minutes to go, it informed me that I was in fact on the right train. And then I had a group of people decide to get on the train, sit right next to me and talk about drinking Benidorm and holidays which was absolutely fine but they were talking very loudly across me because i was sat on a table blah, yeah blah. not whinging about it it was just i couldn't put my headphones in just to sort of zone out for 20 minutes because i'm charging my phone yeah so, <laughs> get onto the next train which was not the most pleasant of trains it's just one of those really really old trains yeah. that should have been retired a long time ago made it to the next station and at this point, I'm thinking, okay, I am fine. I'm now in the sort of centre, well, in West London. And I got to Shepherd's Bush. And I didn't tell you this story. I told my partner. The last time I was at Shepherd's Bush, I was about five years old. And my memory of it was I was coming back from seeing some family. And uh, I left my Tortozoid Power Rangers Christmas present on the train and was scarred for trains ever <laughs> since because we never got it back and yeah, i yeah. waited for about six months which is an eternity when you're five or six years old yeah so when i saw shepherd's bush state uh, bush station the emotions came flooding back of how much <laughs> i hated this station <laughs> went to the next station got on the next train filled with people carrying suitcases so at least i knew i was on the right one to go yep. to the airport they all decided to sort of crowd around the doors which is absolutely fine but made it very difficult when i was trying to get off because it's sort of a load of people 
just bumped their suitcases into each other yeah and didn't make any sort of plan of oh oh this is awkward we keep hitting our suitcase well, maybe <laughs> we should wait, why don't you go first and i'll go second none of that and by this point i've been up for now over 30 hours and i can't comprehend what's happening in front of me <laughs> and i just think i've just got to get to the car and if i get in the car i can have a nap and that's fine then in gatwick airport they have buses that turn up yeah. so you can go to the car park mm-hmm. now we've parked in the official gatwick parking yeah. and at this point i'm making very small complaints compared to the complaints i have about with air you didn't park in the um the parking that's actually at the terminal though did you not the short stay parked at the long stay car park so you do have to actually get a bus unless you get the vi- unless you get the um the, the concierge VIP yeah, yeah. parking so all I was looking for was the official Gatwick bus, which apparently has no stop, as far as I could see. Right. After waiting for 20 minutes and barely being able to stand any longer because it was hot and I was exhausted, mm-hmm. I decided, do you know what? Stuff it. I'm going to walk. So now I walk to the car park, across the staff bit, which is huge, Yeah. and I call my wife and I'm like, do you remember what letter we've parked near? <laughs> and she says, I think it's C. And I said, when you say you think it's C you think it was a G or a C? Because they look very similar when they're capitalised <laughs> yeah. and they're very, very long way apart. And I orientated myself, and only if you're a bit of a plane nerd can you do this, off the way the planes were landing, because I'd watched yeah. them as we were waiting for our bus when we went. I was like, right, they need to be right over the top of my head because that's where I parked. And I found the car from doing that. <laughs> got in the car, got stuck on the M25 motorway, <laughs> to, and then four and a half hours later... <laughs> of a hour and a half journey got home and uh, my wife said to me that she cooked some dinner and i fell asleep whilst eating well, i'd already fallen asleep she tried to wake me up couldn't wake me up managed to put a cauliflower in my mouth <laughs> to make sure i'd eaten something and then she says she just managed to sort of move me enough to get me in a position to sleep and that's where i woke up 14 hours later <laughs> so thank you was there for that because had you not cancelled the flight, I would have just got home five hours later and... Well, that would have been boring. Yeah, it would and have this been. podcast would have only been an hour long instead of two, an hour and a half, two yeah. hours. <laughs> I'm sorry if I've sounded like I'm whinging and complaining about everything, but... I think people have enjoyed it. Uh, probably. The, the main thing that I would say is, if an airline cancels a flight on you, like an hour and a half before you were supposed to take off, but three hours before the delayed time, if they had just told me in the first instance that this plane is cancelled because it's not left where it's supposed to be leaving, then I would have had a load of options for other flights I could have got on because they told me so late there was barely any flights left. And that's not so bad. As I say, the worst case for me is I have family that live in Cyprus. I could have called them and said, I'm not going anywhere tonight. Can I stay with you? Yeah. I'm fine. If you're a regular tourist, what what would you have done? Well, exactly. Like, what would you do? You know, it, you'd be stranded and you'd just be, you'd go to your hotel who'd tell you, look, and we're really sorry. We really enjoyed having you here, but we are fully booked. We don't have any space. If, if we had a room, we would give it to you, but we yeah. don't. Um, and you would just be wandering along, you know, the streets <laughs> looking for a hotel for the night, I suppose. And you know that when I, I messaged uh, Wizair, because you don't seem to be able to get a response out of them anyway. So I messaged them no, on of course. Twitter. Yeah. On the accidentally so if you were on our i'm sure you weren't but we have a twitter miles driven account (laughs) did you and i messaged them on that one only because it was just the one in my hand yeah i just said what's your like is there an email to send you a like a 
you know breakdown of the costs that you've caused me yeah so that we can be even i said i'm not looking for compensation i just want to be even at the end of this whatever it costs me to now get home as far as i'm concerned is on you because i bought yeah, of course it is. a return ticket to cyprus and, and you just have left me in you've cyprus. fulfilled 50 percent of that promise <laughs> the other 50 percent has not been delivered so yeah. um the the one let's say the one saving grace i would say lufthansa absolutely fantastic like brilliant and to the point where they're dealing with people that you know we we um when we were changing over in we've never been i'd never been to frankfurt before so you don't know where you are where you're going yeah and everyone you know the, the air host is like if you are transferring you need to take this left as soon as you get off the plane someone will be there and there's someone there pointing you in this direction in um frankfurt airport's quite large and yeah. so even though the lufthansa planes are all parked together you have to get a bus across the terminals to get oh, okay. from one area to the other area. So, but they were just really, really good. Good. So that was the, you know, and um, the hotel we stayed in were really good, really nice <laughs> people. But I, I, I feel very strongly about this. If you if you make a mistake, then it's fine. I know some people won't get it and they'll whinge and moan and everything else. But just say, look, we're sorry for what we've done. Here's a way to contact a human who will resolve it for you as quickly and effortlessly as possible. Yeah. And that's where Wizz Air feel absolutely fat. Uh, I'm losing my F's now. Wizz Air. <laughs> where uh, they fell flat on their face because they didn't provide anything. And when you tried to contact them, you basically just got flat out ignored. <laughs> so, and I still don't know what's going to happen with it because we, there's no refund we've been given, no contact at all afterwards. So future updates to come. There will be, yeah. And I will and try. fingers crossed my journey in seven weeks' time won't be as... <laughs> well, you had a really bad journey to Amsterdam back. Yeah. I've now had a worse one, I would say, coming back from Cyprus. So you, so never, you might never hear from if, me again. <laughs> if, we, if we go on those, it's going to take you between 50 and 60 hours to come back from Mexico when you go there. That's so, fine. That would be hilarious <laughs> for me, yeah. I, I just really hope that it's like they could have left you in Mexico, but they fly you to northern canada and yeah. all you've got is your like flip-flops and your shorts yeah. and they yeah. say we're really sorry we need to do i'd be fine <laughs> oh you'd be fine but you wouldn't hear the end of it from your partner yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> actually no I don't, I don't want her to be sat there freezing yeah. <laughs> but yeah it's um it was one of those and i've had my moan and whinge about it now and i will uh not bring it up on another podcast very good is there anything else i need to no i don't think so no. no okay good well thank you for listening if you did continue to listen after our automotive segment. I think my moaning today has been longer than our automotive segment, so I do apologise for that. <laughs> but it was a story. I hope you've Indeed. enjoyed it. It yep. was. Uh, it feels a bit worth it when you suffer through all of that to know at least you can share it with people. Yeah, exactly. So I hope you got a kick out of that, and um, yeah, yeah, maybe a bit of uh, forewarning if you're sat there right now with a whiz air. <laughs> do you know what? I've flown with them before, just very briefly at the end. I've flown with them before. Not a problem. Just unlucky. Just, you know, I did. Well, I've never had to experience their customer service, which yeah, is apparently exactly. non existent. So, <laughs> um, thanks for listening, everyone. We will be continuing with our once a week just for now, only because, and I know I said that the two a week will come back. They will. It's just Sam is selfishly getting married and going on a honeymoon. But we're on a countdown now. It's seven weeks. So. Yeah. And so, seven what we're trying weeks. to do is we're trying to make sure that we've got enough podcast done so that whilst you're not here yeah we can at least continue to deliver once a week and then once you return we can go back up to our twice a week yeah so just just a side note on that don't worry it's not a sort of thing of us saying it and then it'll never happen we will i think 
um, get them back in yeah. as soon as we can. So uh, thanks for listening, everyone, and we will catch you next time. See ya.